any way you can put your foot in the door and it's absolutely true yeah and the thing is about um doing it that way is like you might be you know you might walk into an office of some job that you're on and the guy that's going to produce your next movie could literally be standing there or the girl i should say the person um and you don't know it yeah yeah and like you might have a talk over some coffee and that might turn into something like it might change your life but you're never going to have that working at best buy or yeah. you know because that person just won't be there and you just got to get closer to people so and i've you know i've been fortunate to be able to do that quite frankly i i i uh, probably should have done it a lot sooner <laughs> <laughs> today on the show we are joined with director writer storyboard artist and many other things christopher donaldson and man this guy's resume is stacked but today we're talking about his brand new film ditched which is being released this week january the 18th on vod and blu-ray we got an early sneak peek of this around the toronto after dark festival in october and this busy guy gave us some time to talk to him right before he had another meeting, and oh my god, I think I mentioned later in the episode, even though this is a quickie, that this could have been a five-hour conversation, plus just some of the things he's been working on and has worked on, everything from The Flash, Superman and Lois, Child's Play. He's worked with the producers of Nightmare on Elm Street, which we talk a bit about in this interview, written for video games like Blood Rain 2 and Need for Speed Most Wanted. Like, oh my God, Chris is a true vet in the industry. And I could probably make this a five hour intro, but let's get right into it. Why spend talking about him when you can meet him right now? You can imagine like how much like your industry shifted since like the pandemic and even this weekend was like my first online experience with a film festival too um are you getting like, oh, really? used to that or is it like uh, uh dude I, I i do storyboards uh for the majority of my income these days uh just because I, I i'm really fast and pretty good at it and uh um and i used to have to like be in person with everyone and draw in front of them but now i can do a thing like here i'll show you check this out so I can, um, I'll show you something I've done. Hey, cool. Yeah, they like this. I'll show you something cool. I can't show you that. I can't show you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for people listening to this, subscribe to the YouTube and you'll get to see <laughs> what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah, but I can show you this. Uh, yeah. So, like, I'll, I can share the screen. Oh, these are awesome. I just, Superman. I can just, you know, I can just draw there and people can just watch me draw. And, like, so, like, I get to do, uh you know storyboards for for anyone all over the world and it's better than doing it like you can see me draw this if you want or oh, that's at least so cool yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah. even like so um i do you ever uh do this like on twitch or something and let people watch you or uh no because most of the stuff i work on um is uh like with like the big comic book guys like one oh, of the movies okay. and warner brothers and other disney and stuff like that and i can't I can't share that stuff. I, the only reason you saw that is because it's like been aired already. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I can imagine too with confidentialities and stuff like that, but. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. NDAs and all that. I'd be kicked out of the industry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's cool. Uh, you mentioned comic books too. Um, fe- like I got the feeling when I was watching your movie ditched 
like it felt a little comic booky, and I was going to ask about that too. And you just kind of answered my question. I see it in the background. Yeah, I'm like, I love comics, man. Actually, I even have a YouTube channel called Vancouver Comic Junkie where I like collect comic books and like I do that kind of stuff. Like I I love old like EC books and stuff. I'm just like, I'm a junkie for comics, man. I love it, and uh, I've been since I was a kid. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is like. When you're making anything creative, and this goes for anything, your influences just fall into it, uh, even without even knowing it. So, but with storyboarding and comics, it's like everything's dynamic to me. You know, like I like dynamicness as much as I can make it. So, I'm sure that filtered into the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, did you start off just uh, doing storyboards, and that kind of segued into you making your own films? Well. As a kid, I mean, I'll start. I'll start from scratch. Uh, as a yeah, kid, I grew up in like a farm town, like uh, Lethbridge, Alberta, and it was like a you know, it's not like you get into films or comic books or anything like that. As a young man, there you just become a farmer or go work for some company, you know. And uh, I, I, I ended up um, uh, being an inker in a few comic book companies uh, when I was very young, and uh, I hated it. It was terrible. It was just so boring. And so I ended up going to film school because it was like. I wanted to make movies, but comic books were like kind of the second base. Like, there's no way I could make movies. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though I made short films and all that stuff. But uh, I ended up going to film school. And, and the thing is, is that when you're in the industry, you have to make money. Like, like, you can't just like not make money. And you should be in the industry. Like, you can't. I, well, anyone can do anything. But like, from my knowledge, anyone who had a job that was outside the industry and still was trying to make movies, they better be rich to make yeah. your own movie mm-hmm. or you're never going to meet the right people. And so storyboarding was great. Cause like, I, you know, I did a lot of commercials uh, and I got to meet like David Fincher and Michael Bay and like crazy oh, wow. directors. Yeah. And so it's like, I got to kind of learn from these like gods and uh, uh, there was like a lot of guys like that. And so I, I did that for years and, it turned into directing commercials and music videos. I did that for a lot of years and I wrote a lot of movies too. So. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Especially uh, as I've been talking to like all these different directors over the weekend with uh, the Toronto after dark film festival, it's just like, as you mentioned too, uh, it seems like they all had like different little jobs in the industry before they directed their own feature. And yeah, that's what you got to do. You got to get out there and hustle. And uh, I know a lot of uh, aspiring creatives like listen to, these segments itself so you just gotta any way you can put your foot in the door and it's absolutely true yeah and the thing is about um doing it that way is like you might be you know you might walk into an office of some job that you're on and the guy that's going to produce your next movie could literally be standing there or the girl i should say the person um and you don't know it yeah. yeah. And like, you might have a talk over some coffee and that might turn into something like it might change your life, but you're never going to have that working at Best Buy or, yeah. you know, because that person just won't be there and you just got to get closer to people. So, and I've, you know, I've been fortunate to be able to do that. Quite frankly, I, I, I uh, probably should have done it a lot sooner. <laughs> <laughs> it happens though. And uh, I find like too, uh, especially with like take maybe, I'd say like directing a feature and some or something like that. It's like the first step is always like the hardest step of doing yeah. like, did you feel like yeah. I, I felt like this with a, a lot of my own projects as well, but I felt like uh, before I would do it, I would overthink everything 
And yes, that, that's also a very yeah. Canadian thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Canadians, I don't know, uh, I, and this goes for a lot of my filmmaker friends. We have to, I feel like we have to like up our game or at least we feel like we have to be better than Americans with everything. And it, the movie should almost be done in every way before it's even shown to somebody as a project. And, oh, yeah. uh, and that's just not realistic. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's it, 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 a lot of people end up just never showing stuff because it's just in their mind, it's not ready. Um, and then we apologize and say, sorry, but uh, <laughs> yeah, say, facts. You know, exactly. No, and that was a problem, but I mean, for, for this movie, I, you know, I've been working at getting other movies off the ground as a director. And I'd been working with like the producers of the original Nightmare on Elm Streets for years, writing stuff for them. Oh, uh, wow. And, 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 you know, and, uh, you know, they were trying to get a couple of movies up, but the budgets were like 13, $15 million. And I was just some idiot from Canada. It was difficult for a first time director to get that budget at that time. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. and, it, and, it, and the thing is like, it's like one out of every thousand move, scripts gets made into a movie. So mm -hmm. your odds are pretty low. So, yeah. But it, but the thing is, you just got to keep trying because it does work. Most of my most of my filmmaker friends have made movies and that's good. You know, some yeah. have been very successful. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, how was it like working with the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street people? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of that series. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. Rachel Towley is one of like I consider one of my better friends in life. And we still work together. I do storyboards for her all the time because uh, she lives in Vancouver. And her husband is uh, Rupert Harvey, who produced, I think he produced Nightmare on Elm Street 3, 4, 5 and 6. Yeah, I think um, three was the first one I watched <laughs> when I was a kid, and then yeah, me too. Yeah. No, two was for me. Yeah, but uh, cool, cool. Yeah, I fucking love those movies. But uh, yeah. dude, like, it's awesome because they, they, uh, she also did Tank Girl. But you go to her house and you bring up like Nightmare on Elm Street, and she's like, "I got shit to show you," and she like brings out like this trunk of stuff, and <laughs> yeah, you know, like that's the amazing. Original... She's got the claw, and <laughs> no, no, she, no, but that, oddly enough, that one's like the original claw is missing. They don't know where oh, it is. Oh no way! Oh, and I, I remember crazy. I was like devastated when i heard that but she has the original drawing of it that the designer made which i think is pretty great and it's, it's incredible like, it's pretty great yeah she's got you know rupert produced like the critters movies and mm. you know there's a critter in their basement it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's, i'd so geek out if i visited there oh yeah the same way yeah no I, 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 no we tried to uh, uh you've seen the tv series preacher um, I heard the name. I haven't watched it actually. Oh, okay. it's based off a comic book in the '90s, and I was fortunate enough to write with Garth Ennis uh, a feature film version of it in like the around 2003, 2004. It was reviewed by like Ada Cool and stuff, and uh, they were going to produce it, but and it was going to be amazing, but uh, you know, it was very expensive, and they just couldn't put the budget together. It was quite a lot of money. So yeah. But it was fun, man. It was like a year of that. It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I, I actually love about your story. It's how uh, you kind of took like two passions of yours, comic books and filmmaking, and kind of merged them into one. Like whether it's like, because storyboards for films are just pretty much uh, comic books in a way. It's just the yeah. framing yeah. and the drawings. And yeah, it's really cool. Well, the best thing about storyboards, and I recommend this with uh, most first-time filmmakers, is two storyboard, or at least like they don't have to look like mine, but they, because uh, you have to plan everything out. It's like it's really expensive to do this stuff. You have to, a lot of people on set, and like if, you know, on this show that we did, like Ditched, we only had like eleven days to shoot it. Oh, wow. and oh, it's crazy. And and yeah. on top of it, 
we shot in Edmonton, which is like most northern city in the world, in the summer in June. So like we only have four and a half hours a night every night. And the mm. whole movie, as you've seen, takes place at fucking night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So we, you know, we had to shoot really fast. So and I honestly wasn't really prepared for that situation. Um, but by storyboarding the whole movie, because uh, the movie, you know, had to be simplified very quickly. And it's uh, and and so like, but storyboarding, I knew the beats like visually, and I could like turn eight shots into one, ah, and wow. that kind of thing. Or I or I could like there was there's parts of ditched where I had a big action sequence planned out and realized on the spot we can't do this. We need six hours for this. We have forty five minutes, and you'll see like there's moments where it's one shot and it's on a POV of somebody, and I just like created a different. Uh, point of view of that scene from one perspective and it actually really worked out well uh, that way yeah, so, that, yeah that's so interesting to hear and yeah it's uh i can see like maybe at the time as you're making it you're you might be thinking oh this is kind of a crisis but like it ironed it oh, out and it just kind dude, of kind of a crisis it was yeah. horrifying crisis <laughs> what the hell yeah <laughs> but like wa- watching the film like you don't like as a viewer like i didn't see like or notice like oh this is so inconsistent it just all flowed together and was like a nice puzzle together nice nice well and that's just you know years of uh of writing and 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 like working with directors and seeing how they do it and you know it's 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 a flow is the big important thing i think all the time because you you see a lot of lower budget movies and they're disjointed Mm -hmm. or this scene doesn't seem like it fits into the movie even though it's cool but it doesn't really fit uh I hate when that happens. Um, mm-hmm. Saying that, I mean, I'm sure there's things like that in my movie to a degree, but I tried to give it as much visual flow as possible as well. And just, I wanted the movie to move, uh, mm-hmm. like story-wise, so it just kept going and, yeah. and changing all the time. Like the movie does morph into a different movie by the end. And uh, I, you know, I, and I could tell people who, I, when you read the, like we have reviews coming up now, and after dark has been horrific for us. There's been a lot of really bad reviews from oh, really? just that one. What's funny because it tells me like I'm looking at the reviews and you can see they haven't fin- finished the movie. Oh. They've only watched a piece of it, and they're only talking okay. about like the opening. And, oh. uh, and it's like they turned it off and said one star. But all the reviews we Pricks. get from like, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess so. But like we're getting reviews from people we see in the theater, and it's quite positive like everyone like move horror fans are digging it and uh because it you know it, it's its own thing its own beast but you kind of have to see the whole movie as you saw for it to work yeah i don't think people should be allowed to review it if they don't <laughs> watch the whole thing or maybe they've had so much movies to watch over the weekend and they were yeah. trying to cheat it it's like okay i watched 20 minutes of this i got the gist of it but like you mentioned the movie changes and flows and oh, i love yeah. like when i was watching it too um you just, it just like as a viewer like it makes more and more questions in your head about each character and i felt like that's what was intriguing me to uh i don't know continue with the story and just i was like way too curious to see what was going on and also like without any spoilers it kind of like just brings your brain it's like oh who's really the bad guys and who's the good guys in these situations well at the end of the day I want, there's always this great line in uh true romance uh the tony scott tarantino movie where they talk about going and uh having pie after the movie and talking about a movie and I, yeah. when i was a kid and i saw that movie i was like i was thought, man i'd love to make a movie where people did that like they wanted to talk about my movie 
And I felt like that I tried really hard for the ending of this movie to give enough questions to the audience that they could go off and have conversation about it. It's not life-changing questions by any stretch, but it's like, if you're into the movie, you'll have questions. And I, and I like that. Everyone's perspective on this ending is different. Everyone. Mm, yeah. And I like that. So yeah, that's got to be so fun to hear. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially with that kind of feedback. If I made something like that, I'd just be like wanting to ask every person, like, especially since you've noticed it's been different from everybody. Oh, yeah. No, I've had a few questions on my IG account and uh, uh, Chris Donaldson in 3D on IG. Uh, you can uh, you can ask me anything, but the, people have been asking me questions about it. I, I, I think that's fun. I have no problem. I love talking to people about it. Yeah, obviously, because it's not overwhelming by any stretch. It's it's just like fellow film nerds wanting to know answers. I love that. So. Yeah. One thing I love, too, it's like I'm uh, trying to say these in a way without spoiling too much. But uh, <laughs> just when the ending credits hit, just kind of like that visual. And uh, yeah. I kind of like maybe the segue from that too, without spoiling it, like how was it like uh, kind of f- like building these practical effects as, as well? Because I noticed there's like a little splatters of gore here and there throughout the whole film and yeah yeah well it's funny uh depending on who's seeing the movie it's either like gore fest or it's not really that gory like to people who really love horror movies it's yeah. not the most gory movie ever made by any yeah, stretch true. yeah yeah but to like someone who doesn't watch horror movies it's like a splatter fest like <laughs> yeah yeah it just has you know, sprinkled moments here and there like yeah you know, exactly yeah. yeah but yeah. it's not like every scene yeah. um but uh, we we used a, a well. I mean, I'm I, I really good friends with this guy named uh, Bill Terazakis, and Bill did like Freddy versus Jason, and uh, he's like a legend in Canadian uh, makeup effects. And uh, he actually passed away in the post production of this movie, uh, oh, which was terrible. That, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah no, it was a really tough pill to swallow. And we'd been friends for about twenty five years, and he he found out like our budget on this movie was really low like shockingly low uh so low that you know it's amazing we got it done um i've had commercials i've directed that cost more than this movie oh wow like, by a lot and so but we did it and bill gave us uh probably a hundred thousand dollars in makeup effects for pretty much nothing and oh, you know wow. he was so nice to do that for us <laughs> excuse me i have a bit of a cold um yeah, no problem and he uh uh you know so we were able to do a lot but you know when you like when you're making a movie and like you have to do something like i'm just making something up like cut someone's arm off it doesn't seem like a big deal when you write it on the page but when you are using like real professionals to do that that's really fucking expensive <laughs> yeah it's, it's not i can imagine yeah. to do it correctly uh, if you want to do it at a level that's like you know competition with you know the other big boys out there um you could do it on the cheap easily enough and be creative and that's probably how most of us would have to do it but you have to be careful with too much of that stuff like doing a real monster movie with like a real like animatronic monster holy shit is that expensive <laughs> yeah like, i can't even imagine. i can't even imagine what it'd be like to make a movie like the thing today oh, like oh um, yeah i think do, do you think that's why like so many people are like uh they're mostly or like on like a lot of like the feature films we notice now like it's heavy with cgi is that cheaper to do than doing the practical stuff it's it's i don't know if it's cheaper per se but it's easier 
Like, because when you're shooting, you want to move fast and you got to get through it because it's so expensive to keep the crew there. All the rental equipment, it's like uh, certain movies can cost half a million to a million a day. Um, I, I was, uh, I worked on Child's Play, the remake. And oh, cool. They, yeah, yeah. Lars Klemberg, uh, I'm actually working with Lars right now the, on a new movie, which is really fun. He's a wonderful director. But he, uh, you know, like they had to do Chucky, you know, and, and they did a lot of, puppeteering in that but they had to build like sets to work for that with like the the bottom could like the ground can come out so the puppeteers could be there like and and it's all animatronic too it was it was a lot of work <laughs> working on that like it was yeah. crazy so yeah, yeah. but it, so yeah i i don't know if i'd really want to work that way again <laughs> yeah one thing uh, you mentioned earlier in the interview too uh, about the little amount of time that you had to put this together at night. And one thing yeah. I, I think what really impressed me and even got me to watch the, the movie from the trailer was just how it looked in the lighting and everything. So it's interesting to hear you only had like a little bit of time at night to put these shots together because I thought everything just looked beautiful and Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, I, a lot of that goes to Wes Mirren, our cinematographer, who I've worked with a number of times and we, we live near each other. So we spent a lot of time like putting uh, uh, like almost a narration behind the way it's lit. And if you watch the movie, and I'm not spoiling anything here. Yeah. Uh, basically the entire movie's uh, a downed street lamp. And the reason why we did that is we knew we were shooting at night and we knew that we couldn't afford the time to set up new lighting scenarios every time we move the camera. So we thought one big blow of light across everything. And we put, uh, you know, we, we also were able to do things like put blood on it. So it changed it to like a giallo look. And then, and then that sizzled off and became like a yellowish look. And then we were able to turn it off. But that was the reason we did that. Like it was a budgetary reason. Oh, wow. What was the most visually um interesting thing we could do without having to do a lot of lighting setups because it would have slowed us down mm, and that worked cool, cool. And yeah we, and it kind of gave it, it like script. a yeah a music video slash like comic book look to it to yes, my yeah. eyes yeah yeah totally intentional yeah yeah for sure <laughs> we use these like old uh animal i wanted to shoot an anamorphic but we couldn't afford the panavision anamorphics because those things are so expensive so we got these russian ones called lomos and they're like, they're beautiful in their own way, but they have a lot of issues, which is neat. It's almost like Saving Private Ryan, where it might just have this weird, like the light just would go weird over here. Or And I love that kind of stuff. It gave you the cinematic look, but at the same time, um, I don't know, it just felt real to me. I just liked it. Yeah. So it was cool. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like uh, we mentioned, this played at Toronto After Dark, which just ended. Um, is it uh, going to any other festivals or is it going to be on demand anytime or do you have a plan? Yeah, yeah. So as what I know right now, it's going to get released in January. I don't remember the date uh, on VOD and all that kind of stuff. Cool, cool. And then three weeks to a month later, we'll have a Blu-ray release in North America. Um, oh, I And again, I, I don't know the exact date, but in that area i didn't realize this like a lot of horror movies are released in january and february it's like a oh, huge really? time for horror yeah yeah and i went back at release dates and i'm like yeah it really is like it's almost like october uh <laughs> yeah it's like january's the, the new halloween i guess <laughs> i think it's more of a situation where there's a lot of not a lot of big movies released like giant movies so it's a mm. good little window for them to go out but it's becoming like 
don't know, maybe Valentine's Day is a great horror movie night. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that would make sense too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's cool. And uh, it's it's great to kind of hear like little uh, snippets of your whole story too. It sounds like you worked with so many amazing people on all these like different projects and iconic uh, characters like you showed me in the storyboard from Superman to Freddy Krueger and all this yeah. stuff. Do you, you have like a favorite thing you've worked on in your your career a favorite thing yeah uh, or something like that's very like i don't know dear to you or just a moment in time it came to you where you're like oh i can't believe i'm doing this right now oh yeah definitely well, the, the, i think i brought it up before preacher was one of those moments oh uh, yeah because i was so young and it was like all of a sudden i'm like working with hollywood people and mm. you know they're paying me like hollywood people get paid and and it was, uh, you know, it was a, a year of working on something I was absolutely in love with. Unfortunately, it never, it didn't get made. Um, yeah. And I can't stand the TV series that did get made out of it, just because it's not my thing. But uh, yeah, God, you know, I, I always, I have to say this: um, the next thing is always the thing I feel is the greatest thing. Mm, I know yeah. that sounds really cliche, but it's totally true. I am not someone who looks back a lot anymore, and as I get older. Uh, that stuff, um, you know, it, it were great moments in time. I actually, there was another project that was pretty cool. I worked on uh, Judge Dredd 2, uh, but not the one that got made. It was another one. And it was oh, like a total Hollywood thing. And it was pretty cool to be able to do that for a while. They were going to get Sean Renault to be Judge Dredd. <laughs> they were going to shoot it in South Africa. Yeah. It was going to be pretty cool. But uh, uh, I've had a bunch of those moments where I got to work on like really nerdy genre things as a writer. Mm -hmm. and uh and it was pretty cool uh a lot of like unfortunately as a writer a lot you get paid to do these movies and they just never get made and i you know i've rewritten so many projects that would blow your mind that they even existed but like oh, in retrospect yeah. in retrospect they just they just never got made like there was even a time when uh never i never worked mm -hmm. on it but somebody came to us like when i had a writing partner back then to do big Trouble in little china too but they wanted to make it all about the uh, the bad guy from the first one, Will Pan. Like, oh, it was really? just about yeah. him. And I'm yeah. like, really? <laughs> but, like, that guy, like, being a nerdy kid uh, and getting opportunities to even play in that world was, like, pretty yeah. exciting. But That's even cool. that That's... one was, like, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm getting paid to make my own fan fiction and, like, putting your input and spin on it. That's got to be, like, uh, really fun. Oh yeah. No, it's super fun. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I was lucky. I, I had some other moments where I, I wrote a, uh, a movie for Uva Boll, who's considered the worst filmmaker on earth. And that would, I <laughs> mean, I could, I could do a podcast about that. that was, <laughs> you have, that to, was something. Yeah, no, it was absolutely. <laughs> there's a reason that he's thought that way. He's a wonderful guy though, as a person, he's quite nice. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it was fascinating. So yeah, there's been a lot of fascinating little moments and, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff's kind of boring, like doing storyboards for people. And uh, I can't imagine that being too exciting to most people uh, or yeah. directing like some Ford commercial. You know, it's like, mm. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is when you got to pay the bills. And uh, yeah, it's still it's fun, like, though. It's still <laughs> fun. Yeah. 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 It's it's cool to hear about your career. And like, uh, like you mentioned, like you've been making films and uh, like, have you ever made your own comic book as well? No. I, no, I haven't. I, I feel like I feel <laughs> I like you, you'd kill it. Like, or is it maybe because you're just drawing so much all day? It's like, okay, I gotta. Yeah, I think you nailed it right there. I, yeah. yeah, 
I uh, I have a couple of things that I would like to do script wise. Like I have some scripts. Uh, I probably if I was to do comics, I'd do it as a writer, not as an artist. Oh. Also, I don't I don't know. I think my art's good, but it's not. You know, there's some high level art in comics these days, and I I I don't know if I have the time to to get to that level to to present it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think storytelling wise, I could do it. I just don't think my art is at that level. So, yeah, but that's yeah. fine. There's lots of artists out there who are. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that'd be uh, interesting and fitting for you. But even if you don't do the art, like you said, like put the story together, because uh, yeah. yeah, well, that's kind of the best part, anyway. <laughs> a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I draw all the time, so it's like drawing does get a little boring after a while. Yeah, I know sure. as crazy as that sounds, it, it can. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm not complaining though. Yeah, and um, how does it feel like uh, when you finally finish a film, like? like for example ditched and it's finally together and you watch it and you're about to put that out there and like oh uh i i, I have an answer that you're not going to expect uh mm-hmm. horrible really? it, it is, literally is it feels ang- horrible. you feel anxious or it's yeah because you're a no matter what you do like as a creative it's never what you thought it was going to be it's different mm-hmm. it's not that it's worse or better it's just different and so you're trying to like negotiate that in your head, like if that works. But the other thing too is I've seen ditched a thousand times, 2000 times. I don't know how many times in editing. Oh, and like, yeah. I gotta be frank with you. I'd never want to see ditched again. Like, yeah. I, I, and I, I remember seeing some audio or listening to audio commentaries with some pretty famous directors and they would say that I don't want, I don't even want to watch this right now, but I never understood that. Mm. i totally understand it now it's just yeah. like over you know like i like i like fried chicken but if i ate it every day boy well, i'd die but b uh i i probably wouldn't like fried chicken it's like too much yeah. of a good thing you know yeah, it's, it's it's so true too and like on the show too i've had musicians and comedians and battle rappers too and they say this whole thing about their material especially like with uh comedians too like uh, i've talked to some where they said sometimes i've been practicing like what I'm going to say so much, your brain becomes numb. And then I'm about to go on stage and I'm like, I don't know if this is funny anymore. I'm just so sick of my own shit. And then oh, yeah. presenting it to the audience, it's kind of like well, the, you know, the trial, you know? It's funny with comedians. I have a couple of comedian friends who make a living doing it. And I uh, I never knew this until I was friends with them. But like their act they do is, um, it's their movie that year. Like they made a movie and they and they literally don't, theater from that act very much per show and they might do that two three times a day yeah for yeah. a year some of these guys go five years with the same act and yeah, I, i've seen I, it too. I, yeah oh i'm sure you have yeah, yeah. i've seen a few too you go to open um, mic like eight years ago and come back it's like oh i know this he's doing the same yeah. shit but yeah yeah totally i love i love comedy too man I, I i think that it's an art form that i wish more people paid attention to like mm-hmm. I'm surprised that like every city doesn't have at least one stand-up comedy place. Like it's a great night out, and I don't know why the world doesn't know that. They should, yeah, they should be bigger, even yeah. though it is pretty big still. Yeah, I feel the same way, and yeah, it's just like kind of like the major cities, and uh, everybody who wants to be a comedian, they either move to L.A. or New York or Toronto or something, trying yeah. to grind it, and like, yeah. but I, I also. Feel- I feel the same way about films like uh, people going to the West Coast, either Vancouver or L.A., like trying to hit well, Toronto. I, I will say this. Toronto's a, a much better place to make a movie than Vancouver. Uh, you have more 
uh, more producers that create content there. Uh, whereas here, Vancouver is more of a service area. So like uh, LA people come here to make stuff. There's not a lot of stuff created here. I mean, there is stuff. I mean, there are other filmmakers and stuff building stuff, but but it is it. Toronto is definitely the place to be in Canada, in my opinion. Oh, that's that's interesting to hear too. And yeah, I'm seeing like uh, this year too more and more uh, sets pop up like around my neighborhood too. So I guess there's like oh, yeah. a little boom happening right now. Oh, it's huge, man. Uh, Canada in general is huge. Uh, Vancouver is busier than it's ever been. I know Toronto is too. I mean, they're pulling, like, you know where it's huge is Calgary. Uh, there's some massive shows, like the new Predator movie and the Last oh, of Us cool. video game adaptation, which is one of the most expensive TV shows in history. And they're, they're doing tons of stuff there. Uh, and, and Winnipeg, too, is really busy. You can't get crews. It's, yeah, if you wanted to make a movie right now, it's really difficult to get the crew for it. Yeah. And um, speaking of making movies, too, are you planning on the next one or are you going to yeah. just kind of focus on working on? I have, a, in- I have a I have a new movie I'm writing right now. Uh, I have um, other scripts <clears throat> that I'd like to do, um, but I'm trying to get the one after this, uh, after doing this project and understanding uh, my limitations as a filmmaker, but also my limitations as as a for budget because my next movie will be probably 10 times the budget of this movie which sounds like a lot but it isn't it'd be shocking it's shocking how cheap this movie is but uh uh even if it's five times it's still better but uh i i have to make it so it it works for that budget so i'm uh currently uh writing something uh that i think will be really fun and it's totally different than this movie it's a horror movie but it's it's like a completely different movie. So, oh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. everybody follow uh, Chris Donaldson and uh, see what his next one's going to be. And I know you got a meeting coming up, but uh, I'm a, I just want to say I, w- I appreciate your time uh, talking to me today. Uh, you just seem like a cool person who's done so much stuff. I feel like I could have made this one a five hour episode, but I'm not going to do that to you. But, uh, oh, hey, man, with- hit me up again. Let's do another one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it'd be fun. Um, and even like, yeah, down the road, if you ever want to like promote your next one or anything else you're doing, uh, I'm always down to, to shoot the shit with you, man. So thanks again. Absolutely. Dude. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoyed this talk with Christopher Donaldson. I think we can all agree he's a really cool guy. And wow, I believe we didn't even scratch the surface on some of his adventures in the industry, but maybe we will dig a bit deeper down the road but for now just a reminder that his movie ditched is coming out this week january the 18th on vod and blu-ray i recommend checking it out and i even think after listening to this and hearing about the budget restraints and uh, some behind the scene things you'd have a full appreciation of that movie so once again that's ditched january the 18th check it out and before we go like always i want to thank all of you legends on the Patreon. First up, the co-producer Jeremy Hopkin of Hopkin Design, the Queen Ola Mazuka of Sonic Fold, Ryan Watkins of Ryan Radio, Amanda McKnight of Top 10 Nerd, Pat Maloney, Ryan Campbell, Daniel Sun, Devin Staple, Mike Ulio, Jenny Potter, Jared Pepper Bronstein, aka Mr. Spicy, and Francis Coffer, aka my mom. If you'd like to support the show and get all these episodes uncut and extra early, 
You can check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash the creative imbalance. Three bucks to sign up and every cent that goes to that gets immediately put back into the show. And around the early content, you get enthusiastic shout outs at the end of the episode like you heard right now. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking like this. But anyways, lots of content coming your way. Appreciate y'all listening and we'll catch you soon. Peace.